Hi there, thank you for listening to Val Pals. This is a little disclaimer I've gone back to add to the first four episodes to warn you that the audio quality is not the greatest, simply because phone calls from Albuquerque, New Mexico to Tulsa, Oklahoma apparently do not have the best audio quality. Who'd have known? However, starting with episode 5, we updated our recording system and the audio quality is so much better. So please stick it out through the first four episodes. I think they're pretty funny and you'll enjoy them and then you'll be rewarded with much better audio quality by episode 5. Thank you so much. Welcome to Valpals. I'm Robert Flippo. I'm Tyler Welter. How are you doing, Robbie? I'm doing pretty great. This week we're talking about Top Gun, and I kind of love Top Gun, so it was it was good times. I kind of stretched the viewing out over the course of like three days and just prolonged my ecstasy. <laughs> um, so that was a good move on my part. Uh, but the last two movies, I definitely watched them like in one sitting because I'd never seen them before. But Top Gun, I've seen so many times that it was okay to stretch out. Um, I quick. also used to love this movie. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, sounds like we're going to have some differing opinions for a change when we get yeah. into the movie talk. That should be interesting. Um, first, we'll recap real quick. Val Pals, watching every Val Kilmer movie in chronological order, and then we're going to... Get some self-help advice from them. Hopefully become better people by the end of all this. Um, so last week, we had some advice based off of the movie Real Genius. And I know Tyler's advice was to kind of cut out some distractions in your life. And my advice was uh, kind of weird advice. That was kind of imagine making like a change in your life, but then just kind of figuring out what the best aspects of that would be. So... Uh, I don't know about you, but I successfully cut out some distractions from my life and filled them with other distractions, but it's a process. Yeah, that's a start. I, like, did more, uh, like, I watched less YouTube videos and I read more books. Okay, I feel like that's... I mean, to me, that sounds like a better move. Yeah. Um, Still not, like, what I should have been doing. Yeah, but, but it's kind of a move in the right direction. I like to think so. I definitely, like, I didn't make much of an active effort to cut out distractions from my life, mainly because I was in the middle of a 10-day marathon of working eight-hour days at Starbucks. So I pretty much had no life other than just being at Starbucks, which effectively cut out any distractions, because all yeah. I was doing was working at Starbucks. Uh, so there wasn't really a whole lot of room for doing anything else. So probably be trying to work in that cutting out some distraction stuff over the next couple of weeks when I'm not working all the time. Well, I think you just found the secret is to just work every day. Yeah. And then no distractions. So, I mean, yeah. that's one way to do it. And then my bit of advice trying to, like, you know, because I was figuring out what, if I were to make a change and instead of being my, you know, trying to be a comedian and all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'll get this desk job, nine to five. What are the things from that? And it was basically just kind of like being more prepared and setting more firm goals than my wishy-washy goals that I have now. And uh, and I guess being kind of more responsible 
And the way I, I put that into practice is I actually prepared for my stand-up open mic on Monday, and it helped so much. What had you been doing? stupid, but preparing helps a lot. Uh, I used to prepare quite a bit before growing up, but the problem I had is that my stand-up ended up sounding overly written because of my background being a writer. And so then I took a break from doing that, and it was like, yeah, I'll go up and I'll have like a general idea, like I know I'm going to talk about this, this, and this, and then uh, I know I'm going to try and hit a couple of these points, and we'll see what happens when I'm up on stage. And that's helped me get a little more comfortable just kind of like being in the moment while I'm on stage. Uh, but the problem I had is I was doing, I did that too long. And so I wasn't really growing at all in my stand-up. So this time I actually like, I sat down for a couple hours before going up and I like thought about my jokes and I didn't necessarily write them out, but I kind of said them out loud and figured out the beats that I wanted. And I didn't, I won't say I killed, but I definitely like, there were punchlines that I had set up to land and they actually landed. And I felt much more in control than when I just went up and was just kind of wishy-washy. So. Great. Yeah. It was, it was very awesome. I was quite pleased with the way that that worked out. So. I don't know if you, uh, did any of that reevaluating your life and what kind of changes you could make. Oh, really? <laughs> kind of completely forgot about that project or concept. Yeah. Looking back, it was not a very practical uh, piece of self-help advice. This so. just like, took so long to explain that I was just laughing at <laughs> of it, making callbacks to terrible jokes. Yeah. So, lesson learned on that. I think we'll find that my self-help advice this week is a lot more practical stuff that you'll be able to easily apply and not just sound like a madman trying to explain it to everybody. Um so next, we're going to move into Val Kilmer trivia. And my bit of trivia is I learned, like, it's kind of a two-parter. I finally started following Val Kilmer on Facebook because my thing with celebrities is usually I follow them on Twitter thinking that's where they're going to be more active. But, of course, Val Kilmer has to be weird, and he's more active on Facebook. So I follow him on Facebook, and immediately he has a picture that's like, awesome sunset from my ranch in New Mexico. And I'm like, what? Your ranch in New Mexico? I live in New Mexico. This is crazy. So apparently he has a ranch in New Mexico that he's had for a while. And when I Googled that, I learned that he almost ran for the governor of New Mexico in 2010, which means that in a like parallel universe, I'm doing this podcast and Val Kilmer is my governor. He's already the governor of my heart, but he would be the physical governor of my state as well. And I really wish that was the case. If only we were in Earth 332. Uh, Earth 332. What a magical Earth. <laughs> Much better than Earth 331. Screw that place. Uh, I don't know. Did you have any interesting Val, Kil Val Kilmer trivia bits? I thought we were doing like one an episode. Gotta yeah, one an episode going. sounds good. We gotta, we gotta stretch out. We got out a lot of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we already went through like, I feel like half of Wikipedia in the first like two episodes. So I think, I think, well, that's a good idea. Hold it, hold it to one trivia bit. We'll stretch it out. We'll tease you guys with this Val Kilmer trivia. Keep you coming back for more. 
I'm planning a trip to the National Archives just to see if I can unearth any more Valkylmer trivia. <laughs> Alright, so I guess now we get to move into talking about Top Gun. So, I love this movie a lot. Uh, probably love it less having seen it now as like an adult than probably the last time that I watched it when I would have been in my teens. But still a lot of things to love about it. Your general impressions? Oh, yeah, it, uh, the fight scenes are all still super awesome. Yeah. All the action is, and uh, but everything else wasn't as good as I remembered. Yeah, They're, the storyline, as much as it is, leaves a lot to be desired. There's some fun performances, like Goose is just amazing every second that he's on screen. I'm like, I just wish the entire movie was about Goose. Hey, uh, sadly... Didn't find Goose nearly as funny anymore. Really? Yeah. He's still, like, fun and fine, but I used to think he was, like, the most hilarious guy. That's true. I can I can see that. But I still, like, he was so much more interesting than, like, uh, cocky bad boy Tom Cruise. Oh, which yeah. Which I guess we've just, like, we've seen so much of that character and Tom Cruise playing that character at this point that it's just, like, not as interesting. So I was like, please just, like, let this whole movie be about Goose. And it wasn't, so... I never realized that, like, Tom Cruise is the villain of the story. Oh, yeah, definitely. That I put that on here, because I was thinking about Val Kilmer in this movie. Like, I was paying a lot of attention to him, and when I was younger, I was like, man, Val Kilmer, like, Iceman, he sucks. He's always harsh, and Tom Cruise is buzz, and all this stuff. And I'm like, he's the hero. (laughs) Every single one of his complaints is extremely valid. Incredibly valid. <laughs> Should be listened to. They kind of ignore him. Yeah, and they're like, uh, he's this pilot that plays by the rules, and he's still the best pilot. How does that not make him a better person? He doesn't he's a better fighter pilot, rules. and he's not dangerous to himself and others. Yeah, I was like, he is definitely the hero of the story. So that was a weird realization to have. Uh, the other, like, one thing about this movie is uh, Tom Cruise's teeth were very distracting to me. I don't know if it's because this is the first time I've watched this movie on a 50-inch TV and was only sitting, like, five feet away, so his teeth were, like, giants in front of me. But they're so awful. Pre-braces Tom Cruise is horrendous. It was so distracting. I think it's also because you're watching it on Blu-ray. Because I did not have this problem on DVD. That's true. Just high definition, incredibly crooked teeth. Like, man, that guy, he overcame a lot to become Tom Cruise. Specifically, his horrible teeth. So, that's some talent right there. Uh, And also his height, because this was on IMDb, but he apparently, like, wore lifts in his shoes for scenes with Charlie. Yeah. And I, like, this is maybe the number one using adult knowledge coming into this movie was uh, when they did the volleyball scene, I was like, I wonder if this volleyball net is regulation height. Yeah. Like, how's Tom Cruise spiking this ball? That's what I was wondering. Maybe he's just got, like, some incredible thigh muscles, and he's got some ups. Mad ups. I I think it was not regulation height. That's my hypothesis. That would be my guess as well. I mean, that would just make it much easier for filming in general. Like, that they don't have to be exerting as much athletic, you know, prowess. 
because I'm sure to film that scene, they had to be out there pretending to play volleyball for like three hours or more. Who knows? I don't know how movies are made. <laughs> but that reminds me that this this is a very sweaty movie. Like, that was the first thing I wrote down. I didn't actually write down notes until at the end of the movie, and then I started writing things, and I was just like, this is a very sweaty movie. A lot of close-ups of people just drenched in sweat, and it's not very realistic-looking sweat. That's a good... I, I did not realize that, but yeah, it's just like, every time they're in the cockpit... Uh, there's a post-workout scene that yep. serves no purpose. Uh, and, and, of course, the volleyball scene. Yeah, the volleyball scene. And, like, every time they're in a control room, there's, like, two or three people that are just drenched in horrible sweat. I'm like, these control rooms don't have air conditioning? What's up with that? <laughs> and then, like, even when they're just, like, sitting in class, some of them are just, like, horribly drenched in sweat. I'm like, I don't understand that. But It's intense. Well, there we go. Aspect. Um, I'm trying to think other stuff that I noticed. I I wrote down way too many notes. I told Tyler <laughs> this before we started recording, but I got this on Blu-ray, and I finished the movie last night at midnight, and I was like, okay, I'll watch this making of on there. It's going to be like 10 minutes. I'm still awake. I'll go to sleep at like 1230. Turns out the making of was two and a half hours, and I still felt obligated to watch the entire thing. So I have way too much Top Gun knowledge just, like, bouncing around in my head at this point. Lots of lots of interesting tidbits. So I'll try and narrow them down. But uh, as far as the actual, just, like, while I was watching the movie, there was definitely, like, things that I hadn't picked up on when I was younger, such as Val Kilmer is actually the hero in this movie because he's a responsible pilot. And, like, at the end... Everyone's like, yeah, Maverick's great because he came and he, like, he shot all the MiGs. But Val Kilmer was out there five-on-one staying alive. I think that's maybe more impressive than coming in and shooting the people. It's just, like, having five MiGs on you and just, like, being such a badass fighter pilot that you survived that. Yeah, that's a good point, too. That's probably right. Like, like that's pretty like awesome. So, a long time. Yeah, because he had to wait for Tom Cruise to get there. So that was pretty cool. And then the other thing that I noticed was, like, everyone's really mean to Maverick after Goose dies. And, like, as a kid, I don't think I realized that because I was like, yeah, he's got to be the best fighter pilot. That's obviously what's most important is getting him back up there so he can, you know, do all this awesome piloting and it can be this great movie. But in real life, who would be that mean to somebody after, like, their best friend and co-pilot just died. I understand some of the people are like, oh, it's probably best for you to, like, you know, flying's really important to you, you shouldn't give up on that, but his, like, girlfriend meets up with him in a diner after he's supposedly quit, and she's like, did you learn anything in Top Gun? No, all you learned was how to quit. You learned that move real well. I was like, Jesus! What is, what is wrong with you? His best friend just died, and... He, it's not quitting. That's like taking some emotional health days. Like, that's not a bad thing. See, you're clearly coming at this as, like, a reasonable human being and not a member of the military. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. There's, like, when he, after that, he then he goes to Viper's house and talks to him. And, like, that conversation plays out much better. He's still 
from the position like, yeah, you should get up and keep flying. But he does it in a much more reasonable way and doesn't call Tom Cruise out as being a quitter. He's basically like, yeah, I understand. Like, I've had a bunch of people die. It sucks. And, like, if you leave, no one's going to think you're a bad person for it. But I was I was impressed by how many people were mean. But, you know, who wasn't mean to Tom Cruise after it? Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. That's right. He's like, hey, I'm really sorry about Goose. Everybody loved him. Because Val Kilmer is the hero of Top Gun. <laughs> uh, speaking of Matt and freaking Charlie, they just have no chemistry whatsoever. Yeah, there's, like, a little bit of, like, flirtiness, but it just, it seems really weird. And what, one of the things that I learned watching the documentary about Top Gun is that they finished the movie, they showed it to test audiences, and they were like, hey, we like this movie, but we want to see a little more romance. So after the movie was done, they went and filmed the sex scene that's that's in it that is really weird and is set to take my breath away. So they filmed that after the fact, and the elevator scene where Tom Cruise is super sweaty after working out and runs into Charlie in the elevator. And both of those were shot after the fact just because audiences were like, we want to see a little more romance. So they, like, fabricated extra romance <laughs> just to please those audiences. And that's why, that's why it feels weird. And, like, I was thinking about how 80s that sex scene is because it's, like, it's set to take my breath away, which is one of the most 80s-sounding songs ever. And then it just is lit by one, like, neon blue light outside the window, and it's all silhouettes. And the reason that it was like that is because they filmed it after the fact and they had like 15 minutes with Tom Cruise because he was working on The Color of Money. And they only had time to set up one light outside. And so like Tom Cruise comes in, like shoves his tongue down Kelly Miguelis's throat for like 15 minutes and then is out of there to go work with Scorsese. Uh, I also read that like the reason... Oh light of that color, and the reason she's wearing a hat in the elevator is because she already changed her hair for her next movie. Oh, yeah, that too. So that's why the scenes just seem, like, really weird. And that's, in general, a lot of the movie was, like, constructed after the fact in the editing room by the editors who just, like, completely saved this film. Um, they had to do a bunch of stuff, like, put in the extra sex scene, and then, like, all of the dogfighting and stuff was apparently a complete mess and super confusing. And they had to go in and, like, shoot some extra some extra cutaways and then just, like, come up with all this dialogue to have the people say because they all had masks on. And so you couldn't tell what they were saying anyway. And so they just, like, changed a bunch of dialogue after the fact and just completely, like, made up all of this stuff for the dogfights and actually made them interesting. And, like, there was a little bit of a narrative there. And all of that was just after the fact. Like, oh, that's insane. So yeah, this movie the, was... The good part. Yeah, this movie was almost terrible. And then the editor saved it, so... Uh, they... I feel like we're even more sporadic than usual, but kind of a part of us and everyone else in the world being so familiar with Top Gun. Yeah. That we don't have to, like, kind of explain the plot to anyone. Or we shouldn't have to. Shame on you if you haven't seen Top Gun. Yeah. Uh, but I have a couple more, like, things I noticed. Uh, I loved the soundtrack so much for, like, the first half. And then (laughs) 
it, I just got tired of 80s music. I, I was going to be like, man, that soundtrack was so cool, and then I got sick of it. So, I don't know. Yeah, it, the thing that was weird to me is I love the soundtrack, and I have a very nostalgic uh, love for it because there was a time when my brother would take me to school every day in his Jeep listening to the Top Gun soundtrack. So I love the Top Gun soundtrack, like, unconditionally. But in the movie, it's really weird because they just use the same musical cues over and over again. Like, the Take My Breath Away, like, the intro to Take My Breath Away plays, I think, every single time that Tom Cruise looks at Kelly Gillis. Like, that's just, like, he's looking at her, so we play Take My Breath Away. And I was like, you can't, you couldn't come up with anything else? That's all you had? And Danger Zone plays, like, at least a few notes every time they go up into the air. Yeah. Like, oh, we get it. They're in the plane. Danger Zone. Uh, I don't know how to put this into podcast terms, but more problems with the relationship I had was, like, him stalkering into the bathroom after her. Yeah, that was real weird. I, I don't get how that was, like, good for anyone. And then, like... She, like, doesn't date cadets, but somehow Tom Cruise is alluring because he flew close to a Meg. Like, yeah. that's the reason she, like, wants to see him. And yeah. she says it, like, it's, like, the first time she turns on her, like, sexy voice. She's like, I hear you flew next to the Meg. Let's talk about it. Oh, in a per- why is her house for rent at the end? Did you notice that? Like, he stopped by her place and it's like, for rent. Was she, like, that crushed by this relationship? That she quit the Air Force? No. Or maybe? No. Uh, she got a job in Washington. I was going to say, because we talked in, like, the last two episodes that the Val Kilmer movies had not had very great female characters. And despite how dumb she is with her relationship... She's actually a pretty good female character because she's like this, she's high up in uh, the, I forgot, it's the, like the RAND Corporation, the like private organization that evaluates the flights and stuff like that. So she's like in a powerful position and then she gets promoted to a position in Washington and she leaves like when they have the conversation in the diner where she yells at Tom Cruise for being a quitter, she's like, you weren't going to say bye to me? And he was like, well, yeah, you just got a job in Washington. She was like, well, I wasn't going to leave without saying goodbye, but she was still going to leave. And I'm like, yeah, good on you for not being like, I got this awesome job in Washington, but I'm going to stay for Tom Cruise. So I may have missed that scene a little bit. So I was pleased with that. We finally got like a... An okay female character out of a Val Kilmer movie. Like, Although the craziest scene with them was the her evaluating his performance and giving her professional opinion and him just like freaking out about it. Like, how dare you yeah. betray me with accurate interpretation <laughs> of data about me? Yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought that was a I don't know maybe I just love this movie too much because I I liked that scene and that it shows that ultimately he's like pretty insecure despite how like cocky he seems and then he leaves he's all angry and she chases him down and has a very like good explanation she's like yeah I said all that 
And normally I would have said, but hey, that was some amazing flying that you did. But I couldn't say it because I'm in this relationship that I shouldn't be in right now. And it made me, like, paranoid that everyone was going to find out if I said something like that. And I was like, that's actually a pretty decent argument. Uh, Terrible argument. (laughs) You don't think that's a good argument? No. Don't, like, change what you're doing because of uh, your relationship. That's, you know, the worst thing you could do. And it actually suck because I don't want anyone to think you're giving me cooties. Yeah, and I mean, that's like, that's the thing is that you shouldn't change for the relationship. And that's why, historically, she said she wouldn't date a cadet, like, one of the students, because of this whole thing happening. And then she makes the move, and then, lo and behold, this bad stuff happens where she's all of a sudden changing who she is because of it. So, I thought that was very, like, heads up. Like, yeah, we understand what's going on here. Uh, this relationship is kind of detrimental to the environment of the school. But maybe that's me trying to find a lot of extra subtext in this movie to justify why I like it. I was supposed to, like, be on the lookout for the like, homosexual subtext. Yeah. And, like, didn't really see it. Yeah, not so much. Um, yeah, I can't even really... There's, all it is just, like, it's because they're all, like, good-looking dudes and... They spend some time with their shirts off, but there's nothing more than that. Yeah. I think that's basically it. So, I wanted to talk about Val Kilmer's performance in this movie, and that I think this movie is basically a gigantic waste of Val Kilmer's talents. Um, I don't know He's what you think. Sitting there being like stern about Tom Cruise the whole time. Yeah, he's just being like he he's like a pretty face that is just kind of a buzzkill, and that's it. It was like, anybody could do that. It doesn't take, you know, he went to Juilliard, and then he, that's how you're going to, that's how you're going to treat him? He does that? He just stands around and scowls? Accepting the last dogfight, they, he has like a dozen lines of dialogue. Yeah. In the horrors no. of the movie. And then like he has the big line at the end where he says, "You can be my wingman anytime." Which maybe there's an argument for some gays. There <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, apparently that that was another thing I found out was that the entire time like leading up to them shooting at that scene, Val Kilmer was begging Tony Scott to not make him say that line. He was just like, "This is the dumbest." <laughs> cheesiest line in the universe. Please do not make me say it. And and Tony Scott was even like, yeah, it was horribly cheesy. I got the idea from the documentary that Tony Scott did not have a great time making this movie. Because uh, he references like how cheesy and ridiculous it is like multiple times. Um, he was like, yeah, it was an incredibly cheesy line and like hard to deliver it in any sort of way, but Val Kilmer managed to do it. So, bravo for Val Kilmer for <laughs> Managing to get that line out and it not being, I guess, like completely horrible, still pretty cheesy, but it's an it's an iconic line. So it was a fun thing realizing Tim Robbins was enough. Yeah, Did not ever noticed that before. Partially, yeah, I, I probably didn't know who Tim Robbins is the last time I saw that again. Yeah, that was definitely that was a fun little surprise. Um, I'm trying to think what else I had before 
before we get into our self-help advice. Um, the line where Tom Cruise is talking about flying and, like, seeing the MiGs and stuff, and then Val Kilmer just goes, BULLSHIT! Uh, apparently that was just completely ad-libbed, so that was cool. That's, like, the so, best line of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> completely ad-libbed. And apparently, this is, like, the big thing that I learned from the, uh, from the documentary that relates to Val Kilmer, is that he kind of actively tried to create conflict with Tom Cruise, like, offset, so that when they were together on screen, there was, ex- there was you know, like, extra conflict there. So he was, I guess, method acting for this role as Iceman, which I find kind of hilarious. But one of the things that he did was he, like, he gave Tom Cruise a, like, case of wine, but he left it, like, in the middle of a field, and so he's like, yeah, Tom, I gave you this case of wine, but it's out in this field. So then Tom Cruise had to go and, like, pick up this case of wine from out in the field and, like, carry it back. And Val Kilmer, like, in this documentary was like, maybe that's why he never returned my calls. Like, <laughs> that's the most ridiculous story. <laughs> I know. So that was, like, I don't know. There was too much awesome Val Kilmer stuff that I learned. Uh, apparently, like, all the the pilots other than like Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer, they were just like partying nonstop during the filming of this. Uh, and I guess it was actually like encouraged by the producers. They would like set up parties for them because they wanted to get them in the mindset of being these like partying fighter pilots and whatnot. Uh, and like Val Kilmer would actually join in, but Tom Cruise didn't. And one of the guys was like, yeah, Val Kilmer had this van that he had lost his virginity in. And he would drive us all around in this van and we'd like go down to Mexico and like wreak havoc and then come back. And that's insane because I'm pretty sure at this point Val Kilmer's already dated Cher. So like why is he still driving around in a van that he lost his virginity to unless he lost his virginity to Cher in that van? (laughs) Well, it's an awesome van. So that was... Maybe him and Cher never had sex. I'd like to think that. (laughs) <laughs> wouldn't we all I don't know that might be in on Earth 332 Val Kilmer is the governor of New Mexico and he never actually had sex with Cher sweet sweet Earth 332 uh, my other two awesome Val Kilmer bits from that documentary was he said that he got a bruise on his chest like, he woke up after a party with a bunch of the actual Top Gun fighter pilots. And he woke up with a small circular bruise on his chest. And he was like, what did I do that I got this bruise? And then he said he realized it was from all the fighter pilots coming up and poking him in the chest and saying, you, you're the, like, the person that we're most actually like because you have great hair. <laughs> And that happened so often that he got a bruise from it. So, naval fireplates are not into Tom Cruise's hair? That's my takeaway from that. So, that was pretty great. And then there was a bit where they were talking about the volleyball scene. And Val Kilmer was like, yeah, I think Tom Cruise cooked my volleyball close-ups. He's like, because everyone else's came out, but... Mine were, like, overexposed or something. Like, something happened when they were developing them, and they couldn't use them. And he was just like, and I looked good. (laughs) (laughs) 
God bless you, Val Kilmer. You're the best. Um, I think that's... I think we've covered quite a bit. Yeah. I could go on. I learned way too much. Basically, moral of this story is watch the two-and-a-half-hour documentary about Top Gun because there's some great stuff in there. But, yeah, we'll uh, close it out with some self-help advice. And I'll go first this week. Uh, Tyler's gone first, I think, the last two weeks. So my self-help advice is based on, at the end of the movie, Val Kilmer embraces Tom Cruise, who he has hated for the entire movie. And so my practical advice is to embrace some things that you would normally hate and look for, like, a positive aspect to them. It's like if there's a band you think you don't like, but you've never really listened to them that much, go and listen to an album and see if there's, like, something and be like, well, at least I like this part. Or if there's, like, a TV show that you think sucks, but you've never really watched that many episodes, you're just like, well, everyone says it sucks, and I think it probably sucks. Maybe watch an actual episode and see if there's anything redeeming about it. Don't just close your mind off to these things. Like, embrace some stuff. Embrace the evil Tom Cruise from Top Gun. Well, I look forward to trying out an episode of The Bachelorette. <laughs> and, uh, you're so good at these, thinking a little bit outside of the box. Kind of jealous. But, uh, mine is, again, the Val Kilmer-Tom Cruise relationship. And that, uh, you know, Val Kilmer tells us that even if you don't like someone, even if you think they're kind of an idiot, you can work with them and you can do great things. So be uh, tolerant and be a good worker with those you might not like. And uh, together you can make a Val Kilmer podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh. Killer. Ouch. <laughs> you didn't see that one coming, did you? Oh. Oh, man. Was not prepared for that one. <laughs> All right. Well, then. I hope you enjoyed the I... final episode of Valpals. <laughs> Lasted three episodes, and then we stopped being friends. <laughs> All right. Uh, like us on Facebook. Maybe follow us on Twitter. Do all that cool stuff. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>